You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Well, welcome back to the Donor Growth Podcast, where every week, Luis Diaz and myself, Mike Dirksen, talk about how to build deeper relationship with more of your donors. Luis, today's topic is something I know nothing about. So it's, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, for the benefit of our audience, I'm gonna ask you a lot of ignorant and maybe dumb questions. And then, um, we're, we're here to learn from you. Oh my goodness. We're all learning together. So I'm just maybe like one step ahead. So that that's just going to be a great conversation. All right. The most video gaming I do is playing F1 um, ahead of the F1 races. So I know what the track looks like. That's That's the extent of it. So we're talking video gaming for charity right and and like to yeah. raise funds and this has become a big thing and um you are actually hosting an event that's sort of at the forefront of it i want to get into all of that before we do let's start here video gaming for charity uh, how does that work what is this like how did this happen um give us a bit a bit of context for this okay so the story of why the donor participation project started to get involved with this was we had our conference in April. One of the presenters spoke about how video games can be a tool to um, bring in more donors and essentially more community members um, and engage them with your nonprofit's mission. Okay. Um, for those who may not be super familiar, there are video games for absolutely everything. So if you're an environmental nonprofit, <laughs> there are video games about the environment and saving the environment. If, I mean, anything you could think about in the world. So uh, that was this gentleman's thesis. And he's Marcus Howard, the CEO of Met Arena. We, after that was over, uh, we started a conversation and I was telling him, you know, fundraisers and nonprofits need to learn about this. Like this is... Yeah an entire new industry that is that is kind of popped up from under our feet. Um, the video game industry is larger than Hollywood, just to like put it in context, in the U.S. <laughs> Two out of every three um, U.S. residents, about half the world population, plays or has played a video game. Um, and so even people that you think are not, that don't consider themselves to be gamers, like you just said, Mike, um can access this and can engage with this. So we started this project and kind of in this style that we tend to do things at the donor participation project, we, I, I put a call out for who'd be interested and we identified like 12 people who are at the forefront of this in the industry. They're actually running huge gaming programs at their nonprofits that they themselves started. So make a wish international, the USO, <laughs> Um, you know, organizations like that. Yeah. So, and so we said, okay, let's put on a course for, for people. That's where we started. Um, you know, that, that was yeah. kind of the beginning of it. Here's, here's an assumption I have. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming that, that this kind of a thing has become what's really unlocked the sort of participatory playing is the fact that we're not all playing it by ourselves in our basement anymore. 
but we're playing like against each other in like little online communities. Is is that a key part? The community of the element. Okay. Yeah, that's totally it. So we had um, an anecdote the other day from another one of the another of the course instructors, Kirk Schmidt, who was. Um, he's up there in Canada with you, Mike. Um, so he was uh, leading a big chunk of the fundraising operation with Stars Ambulance and um, now works with an AI company. So he was telling us that when he was growing up, uh, people wanted to watch him play. And when they were in their basement, like his parents were like, let the other kids play, you know. But no, what we've realized over the years is that there are tons of people but when tons, I mean, I think tons doesn't really reflect that millions and millions of people who enjoy watching others play video games. Um, yeah. And it's so it's been that the community, you know, the community element and what we've heard from another fundraiser that's helping us out, Dan Long from the St. Baldrick's Foundation, who also um, is uh, kind of one of the founding members of their gaming program. Um, what we've learned is that these people build true relationships you know so you think oh it's just you know very superficial no they you know they're chatting the people are chatting in they attend each other's broadcasts and they know each other you know you were at the doctor the other day and how's your dog doing um wow and this is real human connectivity you know it's right. not just uh, games and you know another thing we've learned is, i've learned is that it's not only gaming really it's esports it's streaming people are streaming um knitting activities art painting everything that you can think of is being streamed out there and there's an audience and a community being built around it all right so the video gaming world kind of dovetails into this new streaming world like people will actually when they're playing a video game they will stream that to the world and you can watch them play a video game is that, is that what you're talking about? Okay. That's yes. That's one model for it. You know, essentially, somebody is playing. Um, the nonprofits that do this um, have a group of volunteers that they steward as any other volunteer that you have, mm -hmm. um, and those volunteers um, are kind of the creators, right? So they they stream regularly, and as part of what they do, they do charity fundraising, right? Um, okay. And so, and then it's their community their audience that's giving that they're bringing to bear huh. so when they so let's say they're they're streaming a game um they've built um, an audience of let's say 500 people who regularly watch them play this game um are people watching by the way help me figure this out now i and, and i realize that i have the same behavior but i can't quite explain it i actually on twitch i watch other people watch formula one while I am also watching Formula One on the TV. It is the weirdest thing. <laughs> I don't know why I do it. Um, I think it's hilarious. I get to watch other people's reaction. Nobody in well, my the household... The reaction is... is yeah, that's what I was going to say. Nobody in my household exactly. really watches F1. So I feel like I'm in a room with other people watching it, but I'm just like watching them on Twitch. Um, I can't explain that behavior, though. Like, it sounds... Even as I'm saying it now, it's like that's the most ridiculous thing that I do in my life. <laughs> well, you know, at some point... Uh, you know, I guess this goes back to our direct response background. At some point, you look at the data and you need to suspend judgment. Right. So people want to do this. It used to be that there was somebody 
at a, a TV studio that decided what it is that people wanted to watch. Now that person is gone and people are deciding for themselves what they want to watch. It turns out they want to watch other people's reactions to an F1 race. It yeah. turns out some people want to have a video of five hours of a log burning. Um, <laughs> they were going to have a ton of fun kind of just chatting off and <laughs> donating and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people I learned like literally like yesterday um, who are setting up a rig on themselves, like a recording, you know, uh, equipment and then walking around the city and that's their stream and it's called in real life streaming which is kind of so convoluted and that's big now you know there's an audience for that too yeah. um so I, I think the truth is that we decide for our donors a lot of how they want to be engaged with us um while they are deciding on their own maybe in their free time in their leisure time um and it just seems like smart to tap into that you right. know, I think that's all this is. Yeah, I watch those things on YouTube all the time. Like I, I, I put on a video of somebody walking through a village in Italy who, who's wearing one of those rigs. Mm-hmm. We have it in the background, um, just as as ambiance. Uh, that's funny. All right, so so people are, are are this is a big thing. People are doing it. Yeah, walk us through. How does this work, like in in real life, so to speak? Like those of us who are not familiar with this, who are picturing what this might look like. Um, there's a, there's some people who play video games. Some of them broadcast them. Some of them have a community of people who play against them. While they're playing, are they talking about your charity and your cause? Are they talking about what it means for them? Are they asking for donations? Are they setting up like challenges? Are they saying like, hey, if I get to this next level, would you guys contribute? Like, walk me through practically what that looks like. Absolutely. So what I've started to realize is that this is no different than any other fundraising activity that nonprofits are used to doing. So your volunteers, the people who you steward, those are the content creators. Some people call them influencers. Okay, so you steward them. You need to keep them happy, engaged with your nonprofit. You typically will set up a place for them to gather where they like to gather, which is oftentimes a Discord server, which is a a, a soft chat platform. Um, So you set up a place for them to chat with you and you can share information with them um, and kind of uh, grow their relationship with the cause. You also need to vet them because those are the people who are going to go out in the world um, and when they do their regular streaming, many of them are professional full-time streamers. So this is their job, um, which means wow. that they have an audience and they, they will kind of represent you when they're fundraising for your organization. Um, um, but it also means that you need to give them tools and they, you know, they have to be aligned with what you represent and the types of games that they play on their stream and the type of community and or audience that they've built, um, you know, needs, needs to resonate. Um, so, and then that's how the fundraising works essentially. So it's, you know, if you think back of that old model of fundraising, Mike, where volunteers organize dinners and, you know, at the end of the dinner, there was a kind of a fundraising moment and lift up your hand if yeah. you've made a gift. And then, you know, nobody wanted to be left with their hand down. And, you know, and then you sent out your volunteers to do that in the yeah. world and you had tons of those. It's all really very similar, you know, the, the kind of the, the human components. I'm going to try to, for, for, some, for some of us who've never done this before, 
were maybe thinking more in in pre-COVID, like way pre-COVID, old school fundraising days. Um, should we think about these as third-party events, essentially? Because we used to have third-party coordinators when somebody said, I want to make a, I'm going to host a golf tournament for you. And then a third party coordinator would work with that person to make sure is, is this sort of what that is? Or is this a completely different thing? And we need to be thinking about it in, in completely different terms. I mean, I think there are a couple of ways to do this. So that's one model that from what I've seen tends to be the currently most successful model. Um, and essentially it's that. Yes, exactly. You have people creating fundraisers on your behalf. So it's also similar to crowdfunding, right? Where you try to find your ambassadors or a run where people set up their own fundraising pages. You give people all the tools so that they can fundraise and you give them the support to do that. Right. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's what I tell fundraisers about this all the time. I myself, I'm learning. Um, I've, you know, I'm not a gamer really. Um, is that the, the basics are things that you already know. Really, the, uh, the technology is a little bit different and where these conversations are happening is different, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the, um, for people listening like me who have no idea how any of this works, but it sounds intriguing. You have an opportunity for us to actually learn a little bit more. And it is the International Video Gaming Day hosted by the Donor Participation Project. Yes, sir. So we designed this as a safe understanding learning experience for nonprofit fundraisers. So we want um, as many of you who are listening to actually check it out. There will be a link in the, in the podcast, or if not, join dpp.org slash giving day. Um, and what it is, it's a community event and a training that goes before that. So you'll be all trained up. You'll know how everything works. <laughs> And then you can join an actual tournament with other fundraisers um, for actual donations that to your nonprofit um, that will be you know provided by one of our sponsors. And um, if you choose to, because you will know how to set up your stream and you'll have you'll know how to in uh, you know fundraise off it and, and and share your fundraising link. If you choose to, you'll be able to invite your entire donor community or your social media audience or you know whoever uh, whatever segment you want to invite to this um, and actually fundraise. It's not you don't have to, uh, but you will know all the steps and you will have learned it and you will be practicing it in a really large kind of event that's supported by fundraisers. Right. So before you convince your organization to buy you a $1,000 PlayStation or something for you to, to like start getting something off the ground, this is a safe way for you to dip your toes into the waters, learn all about it, and including like if you want to test this on a small group of donors or on a large group of donors, you can even invite them. Exactly. So it's... Exactly. You know, it's exactly that. It's a safe way to test it. Why are we doing this? You know, because people immediately think like, what's your interest? Um, the donor participation project is about getting more people giving to nonprofits. That's our mission. Um, from the, all the research that I've done as I prepared this and from working with other amazing practitioners in this area who will be teaching the course, um, this seems to be a high you know, both revenue and engagement and acquisition potential um, tool, you know? So it, 
it it, yeah. it really feels like there's something there. There is something here there already. So the money is being raised, even if you you know. But I feel like there will be many more careers in this in the future, and many more nonprofits are going to adopt this way of fundraising. You know, as an extension of everything that's been done in the past. So you know, it's not like you need to create a totally new thing. Um, but so that's why we yeah. do it. There is a cost for the training. Um, we do have scholarships if the, if the cost is too much, but frankly, it's set at a very accessible price. It's 150 for four sessions over the entire month of September. Um, 150 US dollars. I know our audience is international. Um, although this is open to everybody in the world and it's applicable to most everybody. Right. Now, this is not a trick question. Um, but, um, it might be hard to answer um, because I, I don't know. Maybe it's too early to know. But but you and I often talk about the difference between fundraising and donor raising, right? Um, where we had an episode about giving days where we talked about that being, you know, a fundraising activity, maybe not a donor raising activity. How would you how would you qualify um, video game f sort of fundraising? Is is that um, could it be both? Is it more one over the other at this point? Um, do you have a sense of that already? Or This is a genius question, Mike, because this is where I believe that nonprofits that I don't want to say have traditionally, you know, nonprofits that have raised uh, money successfully in different models that aren't this gaming streaming thing um, have a lot to add Um to people who are raising money through gaming, streaming, esports, etc. Because as I've been learning, a lot of the support that comes through this model is essentially anonymous for the nonprofit. Um, so yes, you get the money, but um, are you building those relationships with all those donors who are giving to you? Um, you know, uh, not right now. So, you know, probably there's there's a better mousetrap to be built. Although, on the other hand, you also have to think of, well, are your true kind of donors or champions, volunteers, those content creators? Um, and, you know, is that where you should focus your efforts? Uh, probably it's in all of the above, but I think there's a little bit of room for improvement to make this more of a relationship building day rather than a revenue driving day. Gotcha. Um, so if, if people want to know more, if they want to sign up for this thing, um, what's the best way for them to get into the donor participation project and specifically find out about the International Video Gaming Day put on by the donor participation project? Awesome. So if you're reading this on LinkedIn or listen or got received this through LinkedIn, the link will be there, but it's join DPP, one word, joindpp.org forward slash giving day one word two no spaces no hyphens well um lewis this was great i think it was a great primer for many of us who have never um realized that you can that there's so much sort of opportunities in using video games to raise money and to find new donors so um, join dpp.org slash giving day if anybody wants to find out more and thanks to all of you for tuning in um maybe Maybe we should make maybe we should like live record this podcast on Twitch, Lewis, and then and then people can 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 watch us record a podcast. Oh my goodness! Or we could have those little dings every time a gift is made for all your clients, Mike. 
So we could somehow connect every system that you work with. And every time a gift is made, that would like show a little thing on the screen, you know, <laughs> and it would just like be dinging all the time because I know you're, you're so successful. Um, great ideas. Thanks for that. Thanks for the chat today. It was, it was always great to spend some time with you. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and BuildGood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.